Hey friends, this is Down the Hall Dave. Please go to my website, www.castingthe.net. That's casting the, all one word, dot net. Sign up for my email newsletter and be notified when a new episode drops. Thank you. This is a Spirit of Truth Radio Network original program. For centuries, mankind has been asking the question, what is truth? It seems like such a simple question that should have a simple answer. And it does. But only if we ask the right question, who is truth? And if you listen to this podcast, then I'm sure you know that it is Jesus Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. The question what or who is truth is one of such depth that I asked a man known for his strong defense of the faith to share his thoughts on this age-old question. Joining me along the way is Bishop Alphonsus Cullinan. Your Excellency, welcome. Thank you very much, David. It is, it is so good to, we've been trying to get this to happen for quite a while, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited. It, it, it's finally coming together, and uh, it's kind of at an odd time. Uh, usually I do these interviews in Ireland at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm doing it at 5 o'clock at night here, but it's 10 o'clock for, for you, and, and I really do appreciate you coming and spending some time with me. You're very welcome. Excellent. Very welcome. Your Excellency, I want to ask you a question that's been asked so many times through history. What is truth? What is truth? Truth, truth is, 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 is the belief that there, there, is, there is an objective reality that, that I or the human ego does not make up his or her personal truth, that there is, there is something which exists outside of us, which is real and good and true and beautiful. And that truth gives meaning and solidity and foundation for our lives. And without that truth, we are rudderless. We are, we are, as Jesus says, we are like, we, we are like the vine cut off from, uh, the, the branches cut off from the vine. Mm-hmm. And and Jesus says, I am the truth. So he is saying that he is God, that he is the foundation of being. And that he is the ground of being. That, you know, you know the, the, the God who spoke to Moses said, I am who I am. Tell them that I am spoke to you, that I am sent you. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, Jesus echoes that, of course, many times. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. And you, you, you will notice that he's saying it in the present tense. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I am. I am the resurrection of the life and the life. He says to, to Martha, who comes out, who says to him, I know that at the end uh, the Lord will raise up our bodies. Um, but, 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 but Jesus says to her, 
not I will be the resurrection for Lazarus. I am the resurrection. Mm. I am now present at all time. For God, all time is now. You know, God's point of view, from God's point of view, everything is. Mm -hmm. Both the past, the present and the future. He, he, he exists outside of time, and yet, of course, he has, he has entered into time. And, of course, specifically today, the 25th of March, when we celebrate the Annunciation of Mary, nine months before Christmas Day, that, um, that, that Mary, through her acceptance of the offer of being the the mother of the Savior, that truth that is, is incarnate in her womb. And she conceived, and nine months later was born the Savior. So it's a beautiful feast day. And it's, it's, it's God touching our world, touching our reality, and not only touching it, but entering into it completely by becoming one of us and, and teaching us the truth teaching us the truth without which we simply, we are just utterly lost. I am utterly lost. And when I turn away from the Lord, I, I am utterly lost. And I, uh, you know, that, that image that is often helpful, you know, I think that the human person is made for a certain thing. For, for eternal life, essentially, mm -hmm. and, and, and for, for living in a certain way which is consistent with our true nature, which has a, uh, an eternal dimension. And that when we, when we try to break away from that, it's like, it's like a violin that should be used for playing music, but it's used for, you know, uh, hammering a nail in a wall or something, you know. It will destroy the nature of for what it was made, and and for us human beings, uh, our human nature, the 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 glory of God is is man fully alive, as Irenaeus says. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is our this is our eternal our eternal destiny. This is our truth. This is objective. Uh, yes, we have to accept it. And, and uh, Mary teaches us in a real way today to say, to say yes, to use our, to use our minds. Mm -hmm. She asked the angel Gabriel questions to discover how she was going to carry out the will of God. And then she does it. Bishop, let me ask you a question. You bring up a good point where Mary had such a, an openness to the Spirit of God, but... St. John the Baptist's father, he, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, he was struck dumb because of the questions yes. that he was asking. What was the difference in the, in the relationship? Yes, the difference, in, the difference is that, um, that Zechariah, um, yes, he did ask questions, but uh, the questions signified a lack of, of belief that this was going to happen, you know, mm -hmm. I'm well past, I'm well past, uh, my wife is well past, uh, 
childbearing age. How is this going to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so there's there's a, there's an insinuation there that God isn't going to be able to do this. Whereas Mary's Mary's answer, Mary's questions are different. She's saying, uh, "How can this come about? Since I know not man." Um, so she she wants to understand better how how this is is going to it's not that she doubts it is that she she wants to understand in a deeper way so that she's not she's not like just a puppet you know mm-hmm. the lord has given her and has given us all an intellect which he wants us to use and um uh you know he wants us to figure out things too you know I mean, God, God has given us the means uh, in many, many ways to solve our problems. And, um, you know, there are many problems that we already have the means within our, within our grasp. I, I, remember, I remember years ago, David, um, in, in Maynooth, in the college where I studied, there was one fellow who, um, who said to one of the lecturers a few days before the exam, the lecturer had asked him, how's the study going? Ah, he said, I'm, I'm praying a lot and the Holy Spirit is going to help me out in the exam. And, uh, and the, uh, the lecturer said, if the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you to the library, it's not the Holy Spirit talking, you know? Uh-huh. You got to study. The Holy Spirit isn't going to help you if you're not going to study, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Mary is like that. She she um she wants to she wants to know how to fulfill the will of God. Do you think that the two uh, characters, meaning Mary and Zacharias, do you think that they contrast a simple faith versus a simplistic faith? And what I mean by that is the simplistic yeah. simplicity accepts God's power and and His will where the other sort of puts everything in a box the only way that they can see it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, really. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought about that before, but that sounds that sounds very good. A simple faith is not a simplistic faith. I like that. I mean, we are called to be chi- uh, childlike, but not childish, mm-hmm. you know? I mean... We are children of God. Anybody who prays the Our Father is a child of God, mm-hmm. and and it's it's a beautiful thing if we can if we can see God as Father, or Father God. That makes me a child, but that does not mean I'm childish, and 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 I just uh, uh, um, you know that that I don't use my. My, my intellect. And of course, for many people looking at the church, this, this will be one of the criticisms that, Asher, ye Catholics, you, don't, you just accept things without, uh, without really engaging your brains, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is, this is a great pity. And, and maybe sometimes it's true. You know, maybe sometimes we, we, we more than give the impression that, um, you know, that, that we're not really... Uh, intellectually rigorous. I remember Bishop Robert Barron once. Um, he, he he mentions it in in one of his um, in one of his talks. And by the way, Bishop Robert Barron's uh, ancestors came from Waterford, where 
where oh, I'm really? bishop now, thank God. Yeah, it's a it's a Waterford name, Baron. But he speaks about his niece going to college, and she's doing maths, and she's doing history, and she's doing religion, and she's doing something else. And he says, you know, she brings over, she brings home these big thick maths books and these big thick history books, and then her her religion books were like were closer to comics, you know. Oh, so he went out and he bought her the Confessions of Saint Augustine and the Summa Theologica and God only knows what else, because he wanted her to have the best that the church had to offer in terms of rigorous, intellectual, profound material on the faith, you know, from the greats. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so, and you know, you know, you read, you read, if, if you read, and you know, the, the confessions of St. Augustine, even though they were written in the fourth century, mm -hmm. I mean, they are, they are as relevant today and as profound and as fresh and as deep and as psychologically uh, just enthralling, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, that like, uh, but at the same time, he is, he, he sees God very much as father and he a child. It's just so beautiful. So he is childlike, but not childish. He has, if you like, a simple faith, I suppose one can say, but certainly not, certainly not simplistic, very intricate, very profound, but also very dependent on God as a child. Uh, Bishop, I, I often consider myself, and friends have called me the Henry David Thoreau of Catholicism, because I do look for the simple simple ways to, to, um, to boil down the faith, but I'm always trying to keep the, the, the voice of the church as a direction to follow. Yeah. How can we have our, our, our simple theologies, our, 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 our philosophies of life and still not become relativistic in, in our beliefs? Yeah. So relativism, relativism is a belief that, um, that there, that there is no, you know, there is no objective truth, and uh, we can all have, we can all have our own. That all religions are uh, equally valid, and um, you know that uh, your way, if if you're sincere, is as good as my way, and and that uh, you know what Jesus tells us is is very nice, but like you know we don't have to take it all. Mm -hmm. And we can take what we like from it and we can take a little bit of, you know, a Buddhist practice and we can take a little bit of something else. Mm -hmm. um, but that, in fact, undermines Jesus himself. Um, C.S. Lewis, you know, uh, what's this he said, you know, about, about Jesus Christ? I think, I think, you know, talking about Jesus, uh, he's one of three things. Uh, he's, he's, he's either mad he's a charlatan or he's the real, he's the real thing. Mm -hmm. He cannot be, he cannot be, um, uh, you know, half, we cannot take him half seriously. Either we dismiss him completely or, or, or we, or we, um, 
or we follow him completely. Because when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, well, he's either mad when he says that, or he or he's fooling us, or he is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. So if he is the way, the truth, and the life, then that changes everything. That means that I am bound to follow the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, so being a relativist, and of course, it's hugely popular today. I mean, you know, it's it's the way most people think, you know, unfortunately. Uh, that there, there is a book... Um, I think Alan Bloom, is it Alan Bloom, a book on on the states, on education in America? Oh, what's the name of it? Um. It's, it's, it's quite well known. Um, um, and it's, it's all about, um, it's all about, yeah, education in this. And the, the first, the first line of the book, he said that every lecturer standing up in front of a class in the States, uh, the people in front of him, most of them do not accept that there is objective truth. Hmm. Um, so this is a huge problem in, in Ireland as well. Um, you know, people, um, they, just, they, just, they just haven't gone deep enough, uh, not only in their faith, but in their philosophy of life, you know, um, and we we tend to be, and of course the culture and the media is all pushing us towards, you know, your individual um, understanding of things and your individual um, decisions that you make. They're up to you. Mm-hmm. They're up to you. You make up your own mind, and and of course it is very important to make up our own mind. But uh, for 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 a, for a Catholic, we. We want to be informed. What is God saying to us about about life, about our decisions? Um, because God is speaking into these, into into our lives continually. Mm-hmm. So, do we do we accept it? Do we listen to it? Do we do we search what the scriptures have to say? Do we do we hear what the church is saying? About a certain and, and really trying to understand it, um, so we we you know to be a relativist is 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 to say to Jesus, I don't actually believe you. Wow! You recently did an interview on EWTN. You were telling me uh, in a previous conversation that we had about is Ireland still a, a cr- Christian country? What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Well, yeah, it's a, it's it's a, it's a, it's a question that um, you know, it's it's difficult to answer. Obviously, I mean, there's an awful lot of faith in Ireland, and God is obviously working. And I love the line in John's Gospel, where Jesus says, "My Father goes on working, and I go on working," and um. Pope Francis has a beautiful image which he used uh, a few years ago um, 
which goes something like, um, the falling tree makes more noise than the forest which grows. Mm. The falling tree makes more noise than the, than the forest which grows. And what I take from that is that, you know, we, we, um, we, we take notice of the falling trees, you know, because they make noise. Uh, and they're the calamitous things, you know, and and yes, we can look around the Church of Ireland and uh, ch- Church in Ireland, and we can see the falling trees, you know, the falling numbers and the and the scandals and the and the and the decline in vocations and the decline in practice and so on. But but the forest is still growing. Mm. God is still acting in people's lives. Um, as well as that, all over Ireland, there are green shoots, little green shoots. There's prayer groups and new movements and and people coming together um, really, you know, in adoration, worshipping the Lord, starting some new charitable uh, organization out of, out of Christian principles. Uh, um, you know, um, there are houses of, of, uh, of religious and there are initiatives in parishes. There are a lot of things happening, and we, we, we. Yes, we're we're not oblivious, of course, to the calamitous things, but God is still working, and we could also fall into the trap of, of, of being so bowed down and cowed by all of the bad things going on that that we forget that. Hey, it's you know, it's actually God's church, you know, and He has given us this opportunity in this corner of the world, wherever the Lord has put of us, put us, just to do what we can, to do our best with the grace of God. Leave all the rest to God, but He's working. He will always be working, and what He's looking for is is workers for the vineyard. That's beautiful. Why do you think the Irish have had such an impact on Catholicism? Yeah, it's uh, that's a you know it's a good question. I I I suppose a lot of it, David, is is because you know we're a relatively small island. Um, when Saint Patrick and and the people before him, and then the people who came after him, of course, when they evangelized Ireland. They did a good job, you know. I mean, they, the Irish really took to Christianity after, uh, you know, after St. Patrick's evangelization and the evangelization of, of others like St. Declan, St. Aylby uh, and, and others. But um, Patrick was wonderful. And to read his confessions are just a, an absolute gem, you know. Uh, but... And then the, the the flourishing that came after him in in the in the sixth, seventh, and eighth centuries was astounding, and you know the Irish saints went all over Europe, and I've had some lovely experiences in Europe of coming across places where Irish saints planted the faith. When Pope John Paul came to Ireland in 1979. He wanted to go to a place called Clonmacnoise, which is right in the middle of Ireland, um, uh, just kind of south of, of Athlone. 
And uh, he wanted to visit there because it was from there that monks left Ireland to go and plant the seeds of the faith in his native country, what is now Poland. And they, it, the, 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 the story is that he cried. He actually shed a tear that men from right where he was standing way back in the 8th century, I think it was, had left family and country and gone uh, to spread the faith. So there was, um, there was certainly this tremendous fervor. Um, and then, of course, the you know, throughout history, when, when, when the Normans came, they, they took on our Catholic faith. Uh, when the Reformation happened, of course, um, there was a very serious attempt to, to attack uh, the Catholic faith. And this, by and large, um, backfired. Uh, the faith became uh, part of Irishness. It became uh, the church. The, 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 the Catholic faith became part of what it was to be Irish and true to the country. And, you know, there was a very clear identification uh, with between the faith and Irish culture, Irish language, Irish tradition. Mm-hmm. So that the the, um, the the Reformation was not a success at all, um, except in in the north of Ireland, where there was a very uh, successful, one could say, in one sense, plantation uh, by um, uh, especially Scottish uh, Presbyterians and other forms of Protestantism, uh, which uh, which is the background to the Northern Irish situation today. It's very, it's very complex. That's a very simple way to put it. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, but in, in, the, in the Republic, um, uh, the, in the other three counties, the other three provinces of Munster, Leinster and Connacht, um, the, the faith remained very, very strong. And of course, in the North as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the minority being Catholic, they had to fight to keep their identity. And and um, even to this day in the North, one could say that the fervor of the Catholics in the North is deeper than, by and large, than the fervor of Catholics in in the South. But, I mean, that's a generalization. There's, there's an awful lot of do you variations find, in that. Do you, find more, uh, yes. voca- do you find more vocations coming from the North? Yes, there would be slightly more, yeah. very definitely. Yeah, Bishop, if I could just yeah. share a, a quick little story with you um, about my little Irish grandmother. Her 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 parents came over from Ireland. They settled in Massachusetts, and <coughs> Massachusetts. Yeah, and they were not happy, and neither was my grandfather's parents. They 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 didn't. You know, my grandfather was English. My grandmother, obviously, one hundred percent Irish descent. My, my grandfather was a um, he was a congregationalist. My grandmother was a daily communicant at Our Lady of Good Counsel in, in West Boylston, Massachusetts. My grandfather died receiving the sacraments because of wow. because of the prayers of my grandmother 
and just how how staunch Catholic she was. Uh, so um, there's something to be said about the little Irish Catholic women that that are out there. They could change the world with uh, with their sure. rosaries. Father, I'd like to switch. Amen. I'd like to switch gears now and and ask you about um, something that really seems to be a division within the church, and that's the. Div- I believe the division of modernism. What is modernism and how do we take the, a, a story that's 2000 years old and bring it into a, a modern world? Right. I can't say I'm an expert on modernism. I mean, there's a very specific definition of it, which I think has changed now it would have been a definition that existed, uh, you know, at the start of the 1900s. Okay. But I think it's, it's something, it's something, very different now. Um, I mean, the, the the truths of the faith are are eternal. They're for all time because they they pertain to 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 the 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 meaning of the human person and the and the and the meaning of human life, which which is uh, has a transcendental destiny, a destiny in God. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, um, there are so many, um, uh, you know, um, different philosophies of life. And uh, I suppose, you know, the heresies of old, they, they reemerge in different forms with, shall we say, different titles, but they're old heresies rehashed and this is something that uh, bishop baron is often talking about you know in that sense koheleth was right you know there's nothing new under the sun there's uh, maybe a different manifestation of an old of an old heresy you know and and um like saint augustine spoke about it uh in in his books you know um the city of god and the city of man, you know, that there's always this battle between the drama ego, the, the, the ego drama, mm. uh, between God and human beings. And we are continually trying to build a world without God. Communism tried it. And communism, I often think really that communism gets off very light because, um, the evil that communism brought to the world, we we still see it today. We see it in the war in Ukraine. Mm. I mean, you know, um, the the destruction of 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 people, uh, the mass killing inflicted by people like Stalin and and Lenin before him, and and of course, uh, you know, it was Marx uh, who with his interpretation of, of, of society and class struggle and, and the will to power, uh, you know, I mean, I, I am often amazed how, you know, how in modern parlance, you know, um, people will make a big thing out of the, you know, the, the, uh, the Inquisition, you know, the Spanish Inquisition. or yeah. I mean, there were more people killed in one year of the revolution in France than in the entire Spanish Inquisition, you know? Now, I'm not, I'm not 
um, you know, uh, I don't want to, uh, you know, minimize the the some of the awful things done in the Inquisition, of mm -hmm. course. But I mean, I mean, what was done in in the French Revolution, where innocent people were taken out routinely and had their heads chopped off, where Stalin, um, you know was responsible for the death of millions of people. And it's all an attempt to to build some kind of utopia uh, without any reference to God. It's 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 completely uh, a man-made thing. And this is I suppose a form of of modernism today. We can see how how uh, you know people will want to say now that you can be any gender that you like. You, you you have the power to to become any kind of admixture of gender. And what is the Lord Jesus saying to us? You know, he's saying that, you know, he's saying, I love you, but keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And, you know, the commandments are, they are instructions for our happiness. There's a story of a man who uh, wanted to duck out to the shop uh, to buy some beer. And uh, he, he had his uh, four-year-old son in the house. And the shop was only a minute down the road. So he, he said to the young lad, he didn't want to bring him to the shop because he was buying beer. His mom was out. And so he... Uh, he decided he would sit into the car and run down to the shop and run back, but he, he reckoned that the young fella would need to be kept occupied. So he um, he found a, he found a magazine with a, a picture of the world in it. And he 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 tore it up into little into into pieces and he said to the young lad, Now you put that back together. So he got into the car, went down to the shop, came back two minutes later with the beer, and the young fellow had got all the, the the photograph, the picture of the world, perfectly assembled. And he asked him, how did he do it? And he said, well, Dad, he said, there was a, there was a picture of a man on the back of the page, and I just stuck the man together, and the whole world fitted. <laughs> Fit it, fit it together. And of course, the moral of the story is that if you get the man right, the whole world fits together. Hmm. So if we, if we think that we can do whatever we like and change our nature and m manipulate our nature in any way, whichever we desire, that we are just heading down uh, as the Spanish say, una salida falsa. You know, it's a dead end. It's a cul-de-sac. It's dark and it's it leads to disappointment. But the way of 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 Christ is, you know, I mean, the Lord says to Lazarus, whom He has risen from the dead, whom He has raised from the dead, He says, unbind him and let him go free. The Lord wants to unbind us of these, of these, of these traps in which we have entangled ourselves. 
he wants us to he wants to free us mm -hmm. to free us with his truth and and that's the struggle for us all every day you know and and the same for me i i have to continually struggle against my ego you know and it's a question of letting go little by little and trusting and trusting in god and I will find, I'm sure, at the end of the day, if I do that, that God was actually right. <laughs> well, I know that every day, it's, I think it's 9 o'clock, your, your time in, in Ireland, you do benediction and have adoration. I, I, yeah, I do benediction at nine 9.30. Uh, so I've missed it tonight, but not to worry. I've, I sent on the little message that I was going to miss it tonight because of of this program, but that's okay too. And, um, it, it, it'll, well, you know, it's an encourage, you're welcome, but it's an encouragement for the people too, that, you know, uh, if, if the Bishop isn't there, well, they can still pray wherever they are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know let me ask you a question about that because there were times when I was in the hospital, I wasn't able to actually be in front of the blessed sacrament. So I would imagine in my own mind, the Blessed Sacrament, mm. and I would adore Christ the uh, same way the spiritual communion, I, I did spiritual adoration. Any thoughts on that? Oh, well, that's beautiful. I mean, you know, um, like, there are, we're, we're, we're very fortunate if we can get into a church, mm -hmm. and that's very, that's very important. Um, by the way, just something comes to mind, you know, there is a theory, David, that somebody brought the Blessed Sacrament uh, to the moon really? when they were going. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But, um, but I mean, absolutely, I, I, I can, you know, a person can pray anywhere. Um, now, which one of the popes was it? He was a little boy in school. Or was it Mary Del Val? I'm not sure. Maybe it was Cardinal Mary Del Val. A priest came in here. A priest came into the classroom one day and he had an apple or he had some chocolates or something. And he said, I will give these chocolates to a boy who can tell me where Jesus is. Ah, it was an apple. It was an apple. He says, I will give this apple to the boy who can tell me where the first boy who could tell me where Jesus is. And of course, the priest was thinking tabernacle. And the boy who was to become Pope, he was in the class, and he said, Father, I will give you an orchard if you will tell me where Jesus isn't. <laughs> you know? I mean, the Lord is the Lord is everywhere. And if 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 a person is ill, all they have to do is just remind themselves that God is present with them. Mm. Beautiful. And so beautiful. Yeah, Father, I know that it's getting late. It's, it's, it's very late where you're at, and I do appreciate you uh, coming and joining me. Could you just tell me like, sure. about a, a, a pilgrimage? Because we've been talking about pilgrimages. Could you tell me about a, any kind of profound experiences that you've had on pilgrimage and where it was 
Sure. Um, well, on eight different occasions, I did one section of the Camino Portugues of the Camino to Santiago. Uh, and um, that was really good. And um, there were eight different experiences. I brought a different group each time. But I must say I really loved doing the the Camino to Santiago, the pilgrimage. Mm. Um, 100 kilometers was what we did. That's the minimum in order to be, shall we say, considered a pilgrim. Um, and it's a beautiful experience. And all you have to do is walk, talk, and pray. Mm. And it's um, and you'll meet different people on the way. Uh, we also have, um, you know, many people go on a pilgrimage to Croke Patrick in Ireland, where St. Patrick is reputed to have spent 40 days and 40 nights, mm. or a pilgrimage to Loch Derg, which I've done. Or now we have here in this part of the world, we have a beautiful St. Declan's Way. St. Declan was a, an early Irish saint who was in this part of the world in Ardmore, here in County Waterford. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Declan, um, Declan is supposed to have walked to Cashel, uh, which was the seat of uh, the... Uh, uh, the um, uh, abbot uh, uh, there in, or the Rock of Cashel, uh, and the seat of the of the of the abbot bishop there, and um, <clears throat> so there is a Camino now here. We're calling it Saint Declan's Way uh, between Cashel and Ardmore. A beautiful, a beautiful. I have done only sections of it, and I'm looking forward to doing the whole thing. Please God in the summer but there's something about pilgrimage I, I remember the very first time that I did the Camino and uh, walking through a clearing in a woods just about three kilometers uh, south of Santiago I remember I saw the twin towers of the cathedral oh. and there was a great sense of of, 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 of achievement and, and relief also that we had we, we had made it and uh, we had three kilometers to go. They were hard on the feet, <laughs> but you put your put your right hand on the. I think it's on the east wall of the cathedral that you have you have you've made it. Wonderful achievement, and uh, with our group, so beautiful. So, yes, pilgrimage is so important, and it's it, you know it is there is a homily in it. There is a sermon for life in it that. You know, we're on a journey. We're on the way. It's one step at a time. We can, we can get distracted, and we can wander down different alleyways, and we can go wrong. And, and, but the arrows are the arrows are always there. You know, mm-hmm. and we have to look out for the arrows. Um, and we got to help each other to walk. We don't walk alone. You know, when you're on the Camino. You'll, you'll get a word of encouragement from somebody or a little bit of advice or, you know, a drink of water or, you know, and you help somebody else in turn then. So we, we help each other to walk along the way of life. So beautiful. Your Excellency, I appreciate you joining us, uh, you know, for this episode. Would you 
please give us a blessing. I will, of course. Gladly, well, we ask the intercession of Mary, our mother, and St. Joseph, that the blessing of Almighty God will come down upon you and, and all your listeners and all those who who hear this this podcast, uh, a blessing of peace and and also that each one of us will know our vocation in life and give it all our give it our best shot with God's help and may God's blessing come down upon you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So for my guest, Bishop Alphonsus Cullinan, the Bishop of Lismore and Waterford, or Waterford and Lismore. Yes, Waterford and Lismore. My producer, David Imhoff. I'm down the hall, Dave. Always praying that your troubles be less, your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. We'll see you next time. Mm